0: Everyone hear you, hear you. Look, I have two dogs in my video at the moment.
1: Oh my gosh. My kids are screaming at Alexa in the background because she doesn't listen. So She's stubborn. I I know when they just, when they, when they can't get her to play the song, they just yell louder. Like that's going to help. Like she's not hearing. Yeah. Alexa,
0: turn up your hearing aid. (laughs)
1: Oh gosh. They might've just thrown it. Mel. Welcome to this widow. sode. thank you. I feel very special that I have been welcomed to this widow. sode. what is our topic of the day?
0: Our topic of the day is what is the deal with the first year?
1: Yeah. Okay. So if you are a widow for longer than a year, Then I'm sure you've come across this, and even if you're a widow for less than a year, there seems to be some magical quality that people have put on the first year. Like, when the (laughs) can you hear them screaming? Oh, I can! Oh, I can! Every time, okay, we might just have to start all the way over because so far that's just been screaming
0: broke Alexa Yeah Everybody? Welcome to Anita's life.
1: Round two fight. fight Okay
0: Mel Wait 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 so somebody killed Alexa? That's what they say. You guys Alexa has been murdered. We might need to change this widow ode to how to grieve Alexa.
1: No, there's so many weird things that happen in my life. I just have no explanations. Okay. What are we talking about, Mel? The first year. The first year. So those who are familiar and are in grief have surely come across this weird concept that for some reason, a year means something. That once you hit the year mark, things are going to change and things are going to be different. And I don't know why or where that comes from, but have you experienced that? Have you heard that or felt that? I
0: put it on myself. You did? Yes. I thought, okay. This is the time where I can be crazy and do whatever I want. No one's going to bug me because they think there's this one year mark. And I don't know why. It's not like I've ever talked to people about it. It just is this thing that like magically descended into my brain and my psyche. I have no idea what the deal is, but I think that I never, I remember being at the very beginning too of the right after Scott died and, and thinking, wow, a year is so long. I know it's going to go by quickly,
1: but it's also a long time. (sighs) So I do think that there is something about a year though. So let's talk about it. It's not like after a year, everything magically gets better or after a year, magically you're ready to date again, or you have to wait one year and then you can get remarried or you wait one year and then you can, you know, any of those things. Like for some reason, I, I think part of it might be Hallmark movies. Or all of the shows. Yeah. I mean, really, I was watching the show The Unicorn. I think it was The Unicorn, which is about a widower. And the friends were like, to the guy, it's been a year. Like, it's time to start getting out there again. And I'm like, why? Like, why? You know, what does a year have to do with anything? But that's what they said. And so I think that there's just some sort of, I don't know, formula.
0: I mean, I know that just even in life, we measure time by years and, you know, there's a cyclical part of that, but I don't know why that's tied into it's been a year. Therefore you're fine now.
1: Yeah. Or you're ready to do something or you're not, you know, you're, you're stuck in your grief if you're not dating or if you're not moving or if anything, if you're still crying, whatever. Okay. But on the flip side of that, the first year is, like you said, we measure time in years. It's when we deal with all of the firsts. So the first birthday without them, the your first birthday without them. If you have kids, all of your kids' first birthdays without them. First Christmas, first Thanksgiving, all of those firsts happen in that first year. And Those occasions are met with a serious amount of anxiety, I think for most people, because in your brain, when you come to that date, you rewind and you think the last time we had this date, they were here. Now they're not. We're going to do this for the first time without them. And so every single one of those days is like a bomb waiting to go off in our hearts and in our brains yeah the whole first year every single thing is brand new every day every second and it can even be like new. not like thanksgiving and christmas or you know the big holidays it can be like this is the first time that i'm going to my neighbor friends barbecue that happens you know what i'm saying like small things Or, you know, if you used to take a family trip together, this is the first time we're doing this. And so even the small activities are the first time you're doing them without your person. So it's like gut punch, gut punch, gut punch, gut punch over and over and over.
0: Right. It makes me think of you with your kids. It's like, okay, it's the night before the first day of school Mm -hmm. and dad usually is there. Like give a little pep talk and there's a routine. Yep. That's the first time that that's not going to happen for you guys as well. Yeah. And speaking about lasts, not only does the first year bring a lot of firsts, it reminds us of all of the lasts we're talking last time that we were all together. The last time that you had this opportunity or that opportunity, the last time they had a birthday. And so there are firsts to grieve and there are lasts to grieve.
1: Yeah. Um, Mel, Do you remember coming up on the first year, how stressful it was? Like the year mark, were you a disaster? Disaster,
0: disaster. I felt like a couple months before the one year mark, I felt like I was more edgy. I felt like I was grumpy, loud noises bothered me. And I didn't clue into it until about a month into that. And then I realized, oh, a year is coming up. My body is preparing Yeah, or what I was not prepared for last year, and I relived it in my head over and over, and and it was it was not even logical, but I thought that I would have to relive it all again for some reason. Mm -hmm. And I went. The only time that it stopped feeling like that was when it actually got to the one year mark, and I woke up and I'm like, he can't die again. I won't have to get the text that he died. He's already I dead. Have to, he's yeah. I don't have to do this. I don't have to do that. And, but for some reason, my brain was preparing it as if I were going to have to deal with it all again. And this time I needed to be more prepared.
1: Mm. So when I was approaching the year mark, I just put myself, um, back in my shoes for like the week before he died, because In our cases, we had sudden deaths and no reason to expect it was going to happen. So we were just living our lives, doing our thing. And I just was like mentally screaming at myself, you know, putting myself back, you know, he's only got five days to live and I was replaying all of the things. So I looked through all of the pictures that we had and I was like trying to remember. I'm like, okay, on this day, we went to the Shields, the store and It was Christmas right before Jason died. And so we spent a lot of time as a family in the week between Christmas and New Year's. And so there was like a lot of memories, a lot of things. It wasn't just like, Oh, on this day he went to work and then he came home. And well, you know, it was like, okay, this day we went to Shields and he bought some new hiking boots and we rode the Ferris wheel and we bought fudge as a family. Um, And we let the kids choose out whatever flavor that they wanted and he spent um, his one of his Christmas gri- one of his Christmas gifts on hiking boots, which I'm still ticked off about because he wore them once and then he died. so I couldn't even take them back because they were like covered in mud and stuff. And I'm like, mm! And then you know, the next day it was like, okay, we did this as a family, you know, this is what we did that day. And it was like it was very traumatic to relive those knowing. That those were the, that was the last opportunity we had together. Those were the last things we were going to do. And not knowing that those were the last things. Because maybe we would have spent them differently. I don't know. So stupid. Yeah. Far. And I think that just listening to the other people in the Widow Wives Club talk about as they approach that first year. I think there is actually something really traumatic about replaying those memories. And... Knowing that your memories, you're coming to the last of the lasts. And on the flip side, it's almost freeing to know that you're coming to the last of the firsts. You don't have to be terrorized by the idea of the first birthday because you already did it. You've lived it, you lived through it. It might have been horrible, but you did it. And now the next time you can at least say that you did it and you can do it again.
0: Question for you about Mm -hmm. when it does come to that year mark, or it is the first of the birthdays, let's say the first of whatever, an anniversary, is, maybe your wedding anniversary or whatever, what are some things that you have found helpful? If you can even remember back to your first year, how did you celebrate those? Because there's also a tendency, like for me, I'm like, I just want to cancel the day Mm -hmm. and go in a hole, but that's not always what we need. Sometimes it is and sometimes it's not. What are some things yeah. that
1: you did? Well, first of all, that was part of the hard thing was just feeling this sense of like I I don't know what the right thing to do is. You know, I I know this day is approaching and I feel like we should do something, but what is the right thing to do? And also sometimes feeling, like I said before, the shoulds, like you should be doing something to celebrate this and then thinking, but should I, you know, what are they doing now?
0: So I feel like this is like not appropriate. Let me move them.
1: <laughs> I wasn't even paying attention. Okay. Come here. Off. Awesome. Thank
0: you. Off. Awesome. Thank you.
1: Okay, Lay down. Lay down right here. I still believe in you. Thank you.
0: Okay, I'm
1: back. So anyway, knowing what I should or shouldn't be doing, feeling pressure and some outside pressure to be celebrating or doing something to memorialize them on that day. Also, I felt a great deal of stress and strain, feeling like I wanted other people to remember that it was a special and a big day also. So... I think it does depend on you as a person and you in your relationships. For me, I really like to be around people, and Jason was very loud and social. And so I wanted, for the most part, for those things to be social and loud and have kind of a presence but I know for some people that's not their jam that's not their style and they want to do something a little bit more quiet you know go to the person's favorite restaurant or celebrate the day how they would have celebrated it just with their family instead of inviting everybody and in, their dog and cat and their dog who were um, looking at each
0: but other me and my dogs Thank
1: yeah you. <laughs> yes them. but um yeah I don't think that there's an answer to the question which is Part of why it's so hard is because it's very individualized to each, each person. Um, but when you ask things that are helpful, I think one thing that's really helpful for new grievers is to know that for, I would say, and you can tell me if you think I'm not right about this, but I think for the most part and for most grievers, the anticipation leading up to the date is generally worse than the day itself you are like, what is going to happen? What am I going to feel? And you just feel awful for days and days and days. And then it comes and you're like, oh, okay. Yeah, I agree.
0: That's what my experience was. And, and we have a bunch of friends who have said the same things. There are, of course, people that don't experience that. So that's why it's so hard. It's like, there's nothing that's universal, but it's very common that the anticipation
1: can be worse than the actual day. And that does, that's not to say that the day isn't hard. Cause for a lot of people, the day is still really, really hard, but it's like the anticipation is I got to get it in my screen this big. And then the day is maybe, you know, still bad. Or sometimes I've experienced a good day and it hasn't been terrible. And I'm like, oh, what was I so worried about? That was cool. That was awesome.
0: And I think there, there's a higher occurrence of nightmares or dreams in the first year or two. And mm. those play into it too. I know for me, I kept having these dreams that Scott just was mad at me or he was ignoring me or I couldn't find him or he died again and I had to rebury him and do a funeral again. And I was like I'd wake up and it felt like I had relived a whole new trauma of the same thing. So that so yeah and so uh I I I don't know about other people's experiences, but from what we have heard in with our friends is they do lessen those types of dreams do lessen over time and so I feel like when you're sleeping and that is also in your brain that adds to that anticipation and and keeping things super fresh with the grief and the trauma
1: after that first year though I feel like people expect us to be okay and better and we could talk about this on a whole nother episode but The second year, there's nothing about living through the first year that makes the second year, quote unquote, easier. Although I did just say, you can say to yourself, like, I've already done all of these first. I don't have to do them again. But year two for a lot of people is worse. Yes. Or just as hard.
0: Kate, For me, that was not the case. And I was surprised because of what I had heard before. But a lot of our friends say that it is harder. Why?
1: Go. I I think for me personally, I think that there's two things that play into it, probably a lot more. But one is that first year you're in such a fog, I feel like you're almost still just in that shock. You know, you're just like, I don't know what I'm doing, I'm just trying to survive. And you haven't returned to real life yet because your brain is still in shock. And I think after that first year you start to come out of that. And then the second part of that is it's just a matter of fatigue, right? That first year you kind of feel like, okay, we're going to do this. We got this, you know, we're going to, we're going to find our new normal. We're going to do all of the things. We're going to have the celebrations of life. We're going to, you know what I'm saying? Not, not
0: Mel. I'm always
1: fatigued. But then, I mean, I almost feel like you get an adrenaline boost almost to a point because you are in that fight or flight all the time and so you're just like you know and you get to the end of that and it's not really a year but to a certain point and it's like oh this isn't going away I'm tired and this is forever and holy crap how am I gonna do this Sometimes we assume that unless we had a huge life insurance payout, we don't really need to know anything about investments or even finances. But guess what? A little knowledge of finances is critical for all of us. Maybe your partner was in charge of that stuff, and now you find yourself making all the decisions. Maybe you're mad about that. Maybe I am. Nicole from the He's Gone But The Money's Not podcast is here to help. She tackles financial literacy by telling the stories of women and widows and finance experts and shares the lessons they've learned as certified financial planners. Whether you know a lot and feel confident in your financial decisions or feel unsure about all of that stuff, there is more to learn. Listen and subscribe to the He's Gone, But the Money's Not podcast on all podcast platforms. This ad was paid for by Rock House Financial, an SEC-registered investment advisor.
0: So is it more like, more real reality sense? Mm -hmm.
1: And it's just that you've been doing it already and you realize that you've got to keep doing it and you're tired and that kind of adrenaline wears off. I liken it to running a race um, where you start the race and there's different race paces. So if you're only running a 5k, then you run a lot faster because you know, you're going to be done after, you know, three and a half miles or whatever. And it's like you run the 5k at that pace and then you get to the end and somebody's like, oh, by the way, this is a hundred miler. And you're like, oh crap. And then ultra, you, you slow down your pace and then somebody's like, actually, there is no finish line at all, ever, forever and ever. <laughs> and you're just like, oh my gosh, how, like, I can't do this. There's no finish line. There's no way to gauge how fast, how much energy you need to use. It's just like... <sighs> it's really terrible. That kind of that realization, which I think comes, comes a little bit later.
0: Let's talk about some tips that might be
1: helpful to
0: set ourselves up for not failure for these, because I, and I think a big one is be aware of when you are shooting on yourself.
1: Yeah. We, we talk about this and it is so hard. It is not easy. I say should all the time. And I said this before, A lot of it, I felt like I was getting pressure from imaginary. I don't even know who I was feeling this pressure from, but to do the right thing to honor him on those days. And there is no right thing. Staying home with your family, not wrong. Going out, partying, not wrong. Although COVID has really changed the dynamic there. And can I say, sometimes that's been nice because then that pressure to do bigger things has been lessened but also I know that it's been very stressful too it hasn't been it hasn't been good overall for people
0: and and sometimes we vacillate between needing to isolate but needing other people and so human connection is really really important whether we want to admit it or not even for me that likes to isolate it is it is helpful and so another thing that can be helpful is if you are coming up on potentially an anniversary or a birthday or something where you're not quite sure what to do, write out several ideas of potential options. And it's, it's maybe not a bad idea to give yourself the space to, to know that you're, you can change it at any point Mm -hmm. coming up to the day or you get in the day. Um, what I like to do is, uh, and I learned this from experience. If if I feel trapped, I'm way worse off. And so I always have to have an out. And if it's something that I, like, for example, I mean, I'm, I live in the show world, right? And so my first instinct intellectually might be like, let's do a big old gala for Scott and we can have a party and this and that. Well, then as soon as I do that, I'm locked in. I have to show up. I'm the one doing it. I've roped in all these people to help me do it. And then that could seem like a good idea at the time. Welcome back, Finn. (laughs) But then I get to the the day and I don't know how I'm going to feel. And then what happens if it is not the right decision for me, but I'm locked in that's way, not a good idea for me. So I would suggest doing something where it's more low key, where you do have an
1: option that you're not trapped. Yeah. I was going to say something really similar to that. Um, but a little bit different in context, you know, um, for example, if you're going to say your daughter's first ballet performance without your person, and you're freaking out about going to there, I always like to plan an escape route from things like that too. Like if I'm having a meltdown, what am I going to do? Um, how am I going to get out of there who's going to take care of my kids? You know, like, are we all going to leave? And very rarely have I had to use that, but just like you said, not feeling trapped. And like, for instance, saying, okay, I'm going to tell so-and-so who's also going to be there. Like, this might be a really hard thing for me. And just kind of being open about that with somebody else. And so they know that you're nervous and that it might be hard and that you might have to leave. And that way, you kind of get over the embarrassment of it. Does that make sense? Yeah. A rescue yeah. buddy. Yeah. Just be like, Hey, I might have to get up and just, and just leave and don't ask me any questions, you know, just that might have to happen. So I, you know, an escape, an escape hatch is it's always a
0: <laughs>
1: how am I going to get out of this? So <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. I agree. I think those are really, really great ideas. And also like we like to talk about, we are all in trauma. And so it never is a bad idea to have rescue techniques to help calm your system and your breathing down. You might not be in a place where you can take some drugs that knock you out. You might have kids, you might have stuff going on, you have to drive. But there are things that you can do to try and slow your breathing. And there's a reason why mindfulness is one of the most highly recommended practices to do, to get your breath calmed down. So even if you're trapped, you can always breathe.
1: Yeah. You can go into your mind and not be trapped, even if you are physically unable to leave. Or tapping. Tap your karate chop point. Emotional freedom tapping. We talk about it a bunch and it's really, really helpful, especially in situations like that. Um, I also think Mel, and we hit on this before, but I have come up to dates that I have not like been consciously thinking about. And I start to get irritable and grumpy and like something's off. And just being aware that that happens is so freeing because I'm like, oh, Father's Day is coming up. That's why you feel like crap. That's why you're a a hot mess. And you're a jerk to your kids. Like Anita, it's grief. Grief is happening. And just being able to label that and be aware is super helpful because just naming it helps you to not feel like you're going crazy or failing. It helps you get it out of here and Mm -hmm. right here.
0: And you're like, Oh, there it is. And I'd like to add a second part onto that. Being aware that you're not judging yourself because you are in grief. Mm -hmm. I do this all the time. I'm like, I intellectually know what's happening. And because I know for some reason, I think I should not have to experience it. That's not true. I'm still working through it. I don't know why it keeps coming up for me, but a lot of us judge ourselves yeah. That. Like so,
1: I shouldn't be still feeling these feelings. Yes. Or yeah.
0: Man, Mel, you're an idiot. Did you not prepare enough? Did you not do enough yoga? Oh,
1: yeah. Which or <laughs> or I thought I was done with this or I thought it wasn't going to be this bad this time. And the worst was over. Grief is weird because sometimes you can have, you know, for instance, um Christmas for me was not that hard and I was so petrified of Christmas. I thought Christmas was going to be awful. And I got done with Christmas and I was like, hmm, that wasn't so bad. So then the next time you have a, a something, and even if it's small and it throws you backwards, you know, and you're in bed and freaking out and you're like, why can I deal with the big, huge Christmas, but I can't deal with, you know, going to parent teacher conference alone.
0: Or going to the grocery store.
1: Yeah. So again, not judging yourself for what does affect you big, bigly. <laughs> or don't decide. judge
0: yourself when your brain doesn't
1: work when you can't even speak at the human language the yeah. human language <laughs> oh yeah um, what
0: do you guys think comment below
1: tell us all of what you has <laughs> no i think i've reached my limit <laughs> i can't say any more words yes, just tell us while we're wrapping
0: comments. up yes. Yes. yes remember to join our widow wives club on facebook the link is in our bio the link is everywhere all of our social media accounts our website widowweplat we i website, rubbed up on you. i know this is all your fault <laughs> widowwe do, do now.com we have links everywhere join there what is wrong with me join it because there's a lot of support in there and we can continue
1: conversations and you'll find a lot of new friends there that get it and if you're not a widow, then just join us on our Instagram page or widower or have partner loss. Um, join us on our Instagram page and also on our public Facebook page and then check out the podcast. Yeah.
0: Let us know what y'all think. Everyone is welcome, no matter orientation or status of marriage, like Anita said.
1: So please join us. There is a safe space for you. I'm Anita. I'm Mel. We're two young widows trying to figure out how to form sentences. Uh huh. And widow. Yeah, we
0: now. now. Ta da! <laughs> gotta go. Fix High it. five. <laughs> this is my favorite thing to discuss with you. Tell me, what is it? One of my favorite things. I do enjoy tacos and cheese and dogs. This is about how you cannot pay hundreds and hundreds of dollars for a phone plan, especially when you're a widow. Your person is dead. You might have kids. You might need another option. And you just want your phone to work. You want unlimited texting
1: and service.
0: And you want it to be like 25 bucks a month.